In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has integrity, even more integrity than we have, which doesn't take much. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever had your integrity stolen by a monkey? Well, that happened to me. I grew up in a far, far away land, and one of the benefits, I guess you could say, of living in that far, far away land was that I grew up with a pet monkey. My pet monkey's name was Alf. We named him after the 80s uh, TV sitcom show, and... Everybody says, oh, you had a pet monkey growing up as a kid. That must have been really cool. And if you're thinking that, you're wrong. (laughs) Alf was kind of a jerk. He was a high-strung little monkey who just really didn't like me, it seemed. And one day, Alf got loose And Alf got got loose around our house, and Alf snuck into my window, and he stole my integrity. Now, you might be thinking, well, what do you mean he stole your integrity? What on earth does that possibly mean? Well, in order to understand that, you have to go a couple of months earlier to a uh, present that my godparents, my baptismal sponsors, had given me. My, My godparents had sent me this plaque. And this plaque said, J, my name. And then underneath it, it said, Integrity. And then it had a little Bible verse, which I don't remember what the Bible verse is, unfortunately. And, and I, I was befuddled by this, this word, integrity. I didn't know that word yet. I, I, but I was really interested, I remember right around that time, in what names meant. And I had looked up my name several times, and every time it was like lively or sprightly or some other bird-like quality, because essentially I'm named after a bird. And I had never found one that said integrity. And so I came to my mom, and I said, Mom, what does this mean? What is integrity? And so my mom sat me down and she kind of explained, okay, integrity means that your, your actions uh, match your words and that you keep your promises. And it's a really big compliment that your godparents gave you this plaque because if they feel that you have integrity, integrity is a very, very good thing. And in fact, because of that talk, I think integrity is one of those sort of North Star virtues for me. It's one of those things that out of all of the the different things uh, that I could possibly try to chase after with my life, that integrity is is one of those. And and so now we we get back to Alf. And Alf, he was loose, he snuck into my room, and he grabbed the plaque that said, J, integrity, random Bible verse. And he liked it because it was shiny and it was neat and he stole it. He took it out with him. And Alf, we finally caught him. But he didn't have my integrity anymore. 
It's a sad, sad day. And yet it doesn't take a monkey to steal our integrity most of the time. Most of the time we do a pretty good job of that ourselves. Most of the time we steal our own integrity. It looks bright and shiny and it gets stolen. In fact, we finally did find my integrity. A little bit later, several weeks later, we, we found my integrity, but my integrity was all tarnished. It wasn't very shiny anymore. It wasn't even really worth putting back into my room. And oftentimes, I think that's kind of how we see our integrity. And we have this sense of, well, it's really hard to keep up with the things that we say about ourselves. And so readings like the readings today that all have to do with making choices and living our lives according to those choices, well, we, we look at those readings and, and sometimes we, we kind of wonder how on earth we're going to have that kind of integrity. What kind of integrity does it take to choose life and good like is presented to the Israelites in Deuteronomy? Where we know their story that they choose death and evil almost just as much as they choose life and good. What kind of integrity does it take to be the wise man that's presented to us in Psalm 1? What kind of integrity is Paul calling for out of Philemon when he's writing him this letter about receiving back a runaway slave, which is basically the story of what's happening in that letter to Philemon? And finally, what kind of integrity does it take to be Jesus' disciple? To say that you hate family, to say that you even hate yourself. And then Jesus doubles down on that and says, before you make the choice to say that you're my disciple, sit down and do the math. Sit down and figure out if you are able to build that tower or if that's just going to be the eyesore on I-4 for you. (laughs) That never gets completed. Sit down and do the math and figure out if you are, with 10,000 people, going to be able to go up against that army with 20,000 people. And Jesus already gives you a hint that you're probably destined for doom if their troops double yours. What kind of integrity does it take to be a Christian? To be somebody who makes promises, to be somebody who says things over and over again, who makes promises to God that we all know how our promises to God go. 
Luther even knew. He tried, caught in a rainstorm, lightning strikes down. St. Anne, I'll become a monk. It's his story. That's how he becomes a monk. That's how he becomes a pastor. That's how he becomes uh, the person that our church body, our tradition is named after because he freaked out and wrote a check that it ended up he couldn't cash himself anyway. And with all of that information about how the odds are stacked against us in this game of integrity, we think that there has to be something else going on here. And thankfully there is. And I think the best picture of that something else that's going on uh, is this little restaurant, uh, little restaurant in a small Alabama town called Bruton, which we, we actually um, have some folks that have left here and gone to Bruton just recently. There's this little small Alabama town named Bruton called Drexel and Honeybees. Drexel and Honeybees is a small Alabama town that, um, a small Alabama restaurant that serves soul food, serves breakfast and lunch. But the really interesting thing about Drexel and Honeybees is actually not in how good the food is, which it's pretty good according to people that have been there. It's pretty awesome. The really interesting thing about Drexel and Honeybees is that you go to the counter, you order your food, you get your food, you eat your food, and on your way out, you decide how much money you're going to put in the box for your food. And some people will walk right by the box and put nothing in. Other people will walk by the box and they will put in what they can. Other people will walk by the box and they'll put in what they think it costs for the food and the labor and they'll start doing the math like good Jesus followers. (laughs) And other people will drop $100 bills into the box for a lunch that you and I probably wouldn't pay 20 for. And the amazing thing is that Drexel and Honeybees is still open. (laughs) The amazing thing is that you can still today go to Drexel and Honeybees if you want to make the trip over to Bruton. It's just uh, right over the Florida border into Alabama. And you can go there. And you can have lunch. And you can decide what you're going to pay. That's a beautiful picture of today's gospel. Because what Jesus is asking of us in today's gospel is to sit down 
with our wallet for the day. After we've eaten, after we've received the forgiveness of sins, after we have received His body and blood, after we have received all of the good things that we get from God, He's asking us to sit down with our, the metaphorical wallet of our lives and decide, well, how much is that worth to me? How much is it worth that God's only son died on a cross so that my sins would be forgiven? How much is it worth to me that I can come to a place like this and I can receive his body and blood in, with, and under the elements of the bread and the wine? How much is it worth to me that I am promised that I will be given a resurrection after I am dead? How much is that worth to me? And if your answer is anything other than your entire life. Well, you're probably cheating God a little. But he expected that. Just like Drexel and Honeybees expects that there will be some people who are either unwilling or unable to pay for their meal. And likewise, they are in full expectation that someone will cover the price of those meals. The difference in the gospel is that we're not waiting on an anonymous donor to pay for our meal. We're not waiting on an anonymous donor to pay for our forgiveness. We're not waiting for an anonymous donor to pay for the fact that we have the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We're not waiting for an anonymous donor to pay for our baptism. We're not waiting for an anonymous donor to pay for any of the good gifts that we receive from God and take for granted so much of the time. But rather, we know... We know who paid for our meal. We know who punched our lunch ticket. We know that his name is Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have received a gift from God that is worth your entire life. But more importantly than that, you have received a gift from God that is worth His entire life. May you this week live with integrity, fulfilling everything that you're able to fulfill of the promises that you have made. But may you know that where you are lacking, 
the price of your integrity has been paid by His. Amen.